0: Well, good morning, everyone. That was actually pretty good. Good morning, choir. Yes. Lovely day we're having, isn't it? My goodness, what a day, what a day. Not exactly pleasant outside, and yet the Lord has provided us with a warm, dry, comfortable place to come and worship Him, and we ought to be grateful for it. I appreciate you making the decision to be here with us in person. Though if you are joining us online on a day like today, I certainly understand that as well. Hopefully the live stream actually works this week. I don't know, there's all sorts of issues, but uh, we will pray to that end. And I would say, if the live stream falls apart, check back around 1130 or 1145 at sermonaudio.com. Okay, so on our sermon audio page, sometimes that works well, even if this one doesn't. But... Um, now, considering the fact that, that, that it is a day like today, I'm going to be brief during announcements because the reality is is that if you watch the reports, I mean, it says all kinds of stuff. One of the things is it's saying that the weather may turn and that at any moment it can become ice or snow or whatever, but even that, though that's the case, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but we're going to try to do sort of an abbreviated worship service. I need to f- tell you a few things first, though. First, as we did uh, last month, we're changing up the order of service in light of today, right? So children will be dismissed after the first hymn. There is no second hymn. Y'all just hang in there with me, and we will get through it together, okay? As far as Sunday school goes, we're going to leave that to your discretion. Um, Also, youth group, things are still on at my house for tonight at 530, but parents, stay tuned. If we need to cancel, I'll send you a text message and we'll just go from there. And if I don't have your contact or you don't have mine, then, uh, then please let me know. Now, one more thing. As I said last week, I want to remind you that in two weeks, all right, February, is that the 26th or the 25th? No, tw- I think it's the 26th. Yes. All right. Um, we are kind of changing things up. Sunday school will be at 9 a.m. Worship will be at 10 a.m. Um, there are other calendar things going on that I'm going to let you find. We do have one more announcement that I need to make. And there she is right there. An announcement that brings me such joy. We have a new member to welcome today. Roberta, stand up and wave at everyone. All right, everybody wave at Roberta. There we go and clap. Yes. Very good. Roberta Anderson met with me this past week and, and met with the session this morning. And she has joined the church. And I can't begin to tell you. Um, Just how blessed of a time she and I have had together and how much I appreciate you, Roberta, and and this positive step that you are taking. When I pray in just a few moments, I'm going to pray for Roberta. Um, But I would say if anybody's interested in joining, please do let me know, and um, I would love to get you information on that, meet with you. Church membership is an important thing. Um, it, It is one of the ways that we submit to God in humble obedience. We come under the care of His church all sorts of reasons, but this is a positive step of faith on Roberta's part, and we are so delighted that the Lord has led you to us. Now, I think that's a great announcement to end on. After the service, y'all extend to her the right hand of fellowship. Let's prepare our hearts now for worship as Donna leads us in the prayer our call to worship this morning we come to psalm 5 which says listen to my words lord consider my sighing pay attention to the sound of my cry my king and my god for i pray to you in the morning lord you hear my voice in the morning i plead my case to you and watch expectantly pausing for just a moment how do you pray first off maybe i should ask do you pray But if you do, how do you pray? Do you pray with the expectation that the Lord not only hears you, but will answer you? That's how we're called to pray. Why? Verse 4, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil cannot dwell with you. The boastful cannot stand in your sight. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who tell lies. The Lord abhors violent and treacherous people. But I enter your house. By the abundance of your faithful love, I bow down towards your holy temple in reverential awe of you. Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my adversaries. Make your way straight before me. I don't know the extent of your relationship with the Lord, but the psalmist really shows us God's heart here and what God. Desires from us that we would look to Him, that we would do so expectantly, expecting Him to answer us, but also that we would bask in His love, knowing that it's only because of God's faithful love that we can turn to Him at all. Only because of the work of Christ. So, as we consider these things, what greater cause and call to worship could we have? Let's go to the Lord now, or I'll give us. I'll a, 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 a open with the invocation, but then we will do the pastoral prayer. Then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together and confess the Apostles' Creed. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, as we come into this time recognizing that you are indeed our God and our Father, we come with such grateful hearts. Grateful that you have called us here and nobody by accident. Grateful even that you have provided this place, that you've given us this freedom to come to you. Grateful that we are here, not by the blood of some sacrifice that is imperfect, not with some earthly high priest standing before us, but with Christ as our once and only sacrifice, with Christ as our great high priest seated at your right hand. Oh, Father, you love us so much. You've done so much for us. And because of Jesus Christ, we stand. We come into your presence now. But as we come, realizing that you've called us, we recognize that you are the holy God and that in and of ourselves, we are not holy. Father, we have sin that we need to contend with. There are times where we have done what we want, not what you want. There are times where we have not done what your word says, either by going completely against it or failing to do that which you've called us to do. Father, as we consider our transgressions, we're reminded of your word that asks if you should count transgressions, who could stand? And the answer, of course, is that none of us could of ourselves, but again, in Christ we do. Yet, Father, as we follow him, help us to contend with our sinfulness. Help us to live lives of repentance, trusting in you. Help us to be real about who we are and where we can help and to turn to your Spirit again and again, who is our counselor, our helper. And oh, Father, in all these things, give us grateful hearts. And as we face the challenges of life, let us mount up with strength, with courage, based not on us, but based on you. As we think about the life of the church here at Old Providence, we know that there's lots of things going on. Just this morning, you've added to our number. I thank you so much for Roberta, for the spirit that you have given to her, for our times together and and good conversation. And I look forward to how those will continue. But Father, as she has taken this step of faithfulness, we know that the evil one wants to attack, to discourage, to dissuade. Please work in her heart and guide her again and again to yourself and use us here at Old Providence to come alongside her as she continues in her faithful journey following you. Let her commitment be a prompting to us as we consider who we are and what you've called us to do. Please bless her in every way. And yet as we think of this positive thing going on, we know that there are some negative things going on in the church. There are those that are struggling spiritually, spiritually. Some have had procedures, that they're in the midst of of therapy and other things, and, and still others are struggling in other ways that are not so obvious as the physical. Perhaps there are those that are struggling spiritually, emotionally. Please bring comfort, peace, if necessary, correction in your mercy, and an abiding sense of your presence by your Holy Spirit. And we pray this not only for ourselves here, but for your church universal. You have given us all the same calling and united us in Christ. And yet we are in a world that is so confused, that is so lost. A world where horrible things happen. We think even of of what has taken place in Turkey and Syria. And so many people have lost their lives. We pray that you would intervene and spare those who are suffering. Come to the aid of those who are hurting And yet, Father, we ask that they would not only be healed physically in the here and now, but that the light of your gospel would blaze forth. That those who do not know you would come to know you. And as a result, your kingdom would grow and grow for your glory and for our good. Thank you, Father, again for hearing our prayer, for giving us this time. We pray it in Christ's name and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, And now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. amen amen indeed now let's continue our worship by taking our hymnals and turning to number 26 the words are on the screen of course as we sing oh worship the king and pay attention to the words as we sing them together oh worship the king number 26 This time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward to collect the tithes and offerings. And children, you may be dismissed for Children's Church after, I pray. Our Father, as we come to this portion of the service, now as we return just a portion of that with which you have so richly blessed us, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would consider what we've just lifted up, that you are our maker, redeemer, defender, and friend. And Father, as we have grateful hearts, let us give in light of these things. Please bless the gift and the giver in accordance with your will and for your kingdom. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. (coughs) And children, you may now be dismissed. Thank you very much choir. Of course that comes from the book of Romans. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before but certainly Romans is the word of God right so this is God breathing out his word but he used the apostle Paul to write this and he's writing to the Romans the center of the Roman Empire and yet Paul is an enemy of the state of Rome perhaps one of the greatest empires in the history of the world but it's Paul that asks, if God is for us who can be against us. Now, there are those that would say, well, I know who could be against you. The Romans could be against you, Paul, and indeed they were. And yet, the word of the Lord endures forever. And though the Romans came after Paul, indeed, God's word has persevered. It's remarkable as we consider how our Lord works in our midst. So thank you very much, choir. Well, as we begin our time in God's word today, I've got to tell you, I've been looking forward to today with some trepidation. As many of you know, we have been in our series, I should have turned it off of that, the the words are still good, but nevertheless, uh, we've been in our series for some time now on the names of God, the Holy Spirit, and the name we come to today, and the the passage that we find it is, it has a different connotation than the other passages that we've been in thus far, right? Um, In our studies up to now, we have seen all sorts of wonderful things about the Spirit, that, that the Spirit comforts guides, teaches, directs, comes alongside, defends, and does all sorts of wonderful things for us in the name of God, as the Spirit of God. And the name that we come to today, it indicates... It's not that it goes against that. In fact, the name that we come to today indicates something more glorious even than these things. But the name that we come to today is couched in a warning, a very serious warning, a warning that many people don't like to talk about or even consider. You'll find out what it is soon enough. For now, we will find this name of the Holy Spirit that we come to today and this warning in the book of Hebrews. That's right. So the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, go ahead and turn to Hebrews with me. And we will be in chapter 10 today. Now, as you're turning to Hebrews 10, let me just offer some very limited background on the book of Hebrews. Because I find that it's one of the most underutilized... ...is applicable to us today. For you see, Hebrews is so pertinent to us. Realize that the book of Hebrews, and, and the name itself you might say, well, it's Hebrews, why is it the New Testament? But the book of Hebrews was written to a group of Christians that were facing persecution, and they were considering abandoning Jesus. Now, this particular group just happened to be a group of people who were formerly Jews, Hebrews, okay? And when persecution came, realize in the Roman Empire, you could be a Jew, all right? That was acceptable. You could legally be a Jew, By the time Christianity continues rolling, the Jews make it very clear because the Romans originally thought Christianity was a part of Judaism. And the the Jews very quickly said, no, 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 no. These people are not a sect of Judaism. They don't have anything to do with us. And the Christians likewise said the same. So legally, you could be a Jew in the ancient Roman Empire, but you couldn't legally be a Christian. And what these people are saying is, hey, before this Jesus, when we were just Jews, Everything was fine. Now persecution has come. Why don't we just go back to being regular old Jews? Why don't we just go back to being Hebrews? Hits the title. And from this, the entirety of the book of Hebrews really is sort of like this sermon treatise. It's not really like a letter, you know, like to the Romans, where you can see the pattern of that. It doesn't fit into the pattern of New Testament letters. It really is unique. And the author is simply encouraging the people to remain true to Christ. Now, I say the author because we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of different opinions on that. I happen to think that Luke wrote the book of Hebrews, but we don't have to know because it's God's word. And not only this, the author of Hebrews also, in encouraging people to remain true to Jesus, he does this compare and contrast throughout the book, right? Where he looks at Judaism... And he compares being a regular Jew to being a Christian. And the resounding refrain is, you can't go back. How could you leave Jesus to go to a system like this? Now, that's the only background that I'm going to give you at this point. You'll understand more about the book as we go along. And remember, as we read, we'll see both a name for the Holy Spirit, who the Spirit is, what the Spirit does, but also a warning that surrounds them. So let's pray first and then we'll read. Our Father, as we come to your word, please guide us now by your spirit for we come to a subject that is not popular, one that in fact is very dangerous, though not dangerous to preach it. Instead, it denotes danger in that there are so many people who identify as Christians, who claim the name of Jesus, but don't know him, that live as if he doesn't matter. And oh, Father, what a tragedy this is. What what a dangerous thing this is. Let us see the truth about this from your word. We won't apart from your Holy Spirit. So please guide us now. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So again, we're in the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 10, and we're going to start reading in verse 26 of chapter 10. So Hebrews 10, 26 hear now the word of the Lord the author writes for if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses how much more punishment or how much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the son of god who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified and who has insulted the spirit of grace for we know the one who has said vengeance belongs to me i will repay and again the lord will judge his people It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And we'll stop right there. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. All right, I don't have to point out to you the gravity of that which we just read, right? doesn't exactly fit into a lot of the things that you hear about the bible especially today in this time where depends on which statistics you look at there are some that 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 are somewhat trustworthy some that i think are quite trustworthy but all of them seem to point to the fact that we live in this time where if you look at american christianity depending on the age it's fascinating what you'll find you'll find that baby boomers for instance it's said that almost 70% of baby boomers believe that there is a hell and that Satan is real. But the, the younger the person, the, the, the lower the likelihood they believe that these things are even true. You know, take for instance, Gen Z. Some of the studies are saying that less than 10% of Gen Zers, right, I think that's age 25 and below, less than 10% believe that hell is even real. So, as you can tell, this is uh, not exactly a popular passage that we're coming to, but even so, we've got to address it, and not just because a name for the Holy Spirit is revealed here. Now, with that being said, before we talked about the book of Hebrews from sort of this big picture perspective, right, the people considering abandoning with Jesus, um, realize where we pick up today is at the end of chapter 10, and we're going to zoom in a little bit more on what the author of Hebrews is doing here. If you were to read the start of chapter 10, and we won't do that right now, you'll see that the author has given a basic presentation on the atoning work of Christ. Now, that phrase itself, the atoning work of Christ, it's just a fancy way of saying that if you read the first part of chapter 10, you'll find that the author is explaining the glory. He's talking about the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the beauty of what Christ's work on the cross accomplished, namely the forgiveness of sins. That's where you see the beauty of Jesus. That through him, through his sacrifice, you see forgiveness. And in the first part of chapter 10, he compares Jesus being the spotless lamb of God, sacrificed once and for all. He compares Jesus to the Jewish system. If you go back in chapter 10, he'll talk about the sacrificial system. He'll say, day after day after day, the priests kept offering these sacrifices. Lambs, bulls, doves, so forth. And none of them forgave anybody of their sins. And the priests themselves had to sacrifice for themselves first because the priests aren't perfect. So in essence, what he's done is he said, look at Judaism, right? Imperfect sacrifices that you have to keep doing over and over again. Look at their high priest and consider who Jesus is. Look at the beauty of how when Jesus died on the cross, he was the last sacrifice, y'all, once and for all, forever. And as a result... When I prayed the pastoral prayer a few minutes ago, I hadn't just slaughtered a bull. I hadn't brought a lamb in order to enter into the presence of God. Because Jesus is on our behalf, right? It's this beautiful comparison that he draws. And not only that, he, he, he continues this comparison throughout the book of Hebrews. And in making these comparisons, what we find is no one compares to Jesus. And this isn't only true regarding Judaism. It's true of every world religion. Nothing compares to the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Hence, Jesus is the only way of eternal life. And we shouldn't be surprised by this. How many times recently have we read John 14, 6? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 10 it's after he's done this right it's after the author has compared jesus to judaism that we see the author go in a different direction and he starts talking about those who deny christ that's why there's such strong language in what we read he's, he's talking about people that have denied christ but we need to realize few deny jesus in word It you was know, it's pretty rare when someone makes a grand proclamation about henceforth turning his or her back on the church, not believing the Bible, not following Jesus, all the sort of stuff. Very few deny Jesus in word. Many deny him by action. That's why we know when Jesus returns to judge, there will be those to whom he says, depart from me. I never knew you. This ought to be a terrifying thought for us but this is who the author of Hebrews is addressing. This is who God's word is addressing. Those who have... 26 again, he says, for if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Y'all, again, goodness, did you hear that? This sounds rather serious, doesn't it? This is the uncomfortable warning that I referred to earlier. But the question is, What is God's Word talking about here? Again, I've alluded to those that deny Christ, but he gets really specific here. When we come to a statement such as this in God's Word, we need to be careful that we understand what it is and what it isn't. So let's break down what's been revealed here. When the author talks about deliberately going on in sin, what he's referring to is something that can be referred to by lots of different things. The term that I use is habitual sin. Now, what is habitual sin? Well, first off, let's say what it's not, okay? Habitual sin is not the same thing as sin in general. You know, think about it. If our passage and this warning is talking about committing sins in general, then we would all be in trouble. Why? Because we're all sinners, that's why. And remember y'all sin is what you do but sin is also what you leave undone there's sins that you commit yeah don't do this and then you do it and then there's sins that you omit. love your enemies i didn't do a good job of that sin is omission and commission and not only that y'all sin Can be that of the heart. You know, Jesus turned the whole understanding of sin upside down when he said in Matthew 25, 27, and 28, he was talking about adultery. You know, and and then he revealed, hey, it's not just the physical act, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So sin is what you do, it's what you don't do. It's the inclination of your heart. It's why you do what you do. If you do the right thing for the wrong reasons, it's sin. The truth is that every single one of us are sinners, and that's why we're called to live a life of repentance, pursuing holiness, trusting in Christ, going to Him to seek forgiveness of our sins, and y'all, it, it, it's a pair. Of to be a follower of Christ, that is revealed in the gospel. So that's not what verse twenty six is talking about, though. Habitual sin is very different. Than sin in general that we are all guilty of habitual sin is what it sounds like it's a habit of sin that you excuse or accept it's when you let one sin or several sins take hold over your life and instead of struggling against that sin doing what you ought to do to address that sin and move on from it. Repenting from it, asking the Holy Spirit to help you with it, turning it over to God. Instead of doing that, if you would then embrace it and just say, Well, this is who I am, or, eh, It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you know, I, I may do this, but at least I'm not doing that over there. I've talked about this before, y'all. We can always find somebody worse than we are to make ourselves feel better. But, The reality is, is that a word is given here and we can't deny it. Again, what he's talking about with habitual sin is those who deliberately go on sinning and realize that I haven't been specific about the sins because habitual sin can be any pattern of sin. You know, we tend to think of the big ones, right? We get on these hobby horses, drunkenness, thievery, you know, all these things, but it can be gossip. It can be adultery. It can be idolatry. As one person said, far wiser than me, and I wish I knew who it was, he said, show me what you covet, and I'll show you your idol. Look, habitual sin is sin in your life that you refuse to address, but instead no longer even feel guilty about and embrace or even excuse. That's what Hebrews 10 is talking about here. The sin that our passage says that if you're guilty of, there's no sacrifice for those sins you. And I do mean you, the people of God. Because realize who this is written to. Y'all, Hebrews was written to those who claim to follow Christ, to those who claim to have saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why Hebrews 10 says that if someone commits habitual sin after having received the knowledge of truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for the sins that they have committed now i know this is weighty stuff and i know that you may be confused you may be even be asking the question you know, so what well i'm about to tell you why this matters so much and why it's different between habitual sin and just general sin and why habitual sin is so terrible There's lots of ways to say it. There are many ways to dress it up. But the reality is that Hebrews 10, 26 doesn't name specific sins because it's talking about one overall subject, and that subject is apostasy. You may never have even heard that word before, and that's okay if you haven't because it tends to be one of those religious words. That's fine. But apostasy is a sin that takes many forms, just like habitual sin. But I'm going to shuck the corn all the way down to the cob to let you know why this is important. The sin of apostasy is reserved for those who claim to follow Christ, but instead follow the world habitually. Or if that isn't clear enough, apostasy is committed by those who claim to follow Christ, but live as if he doesn't. And again, y'all. Don't be picking this hobby horse sin where you say, oh, that must mean somebody who's caught in in fill-in-the-blank or somebody who does this. The fact is, is that you can be in church every single week and be guilty of apostasy if there's something you won't turn loose. Because in short, apostasy is abandoning Christ and determining that you don't really need forgiveness for who you are or for what you do. And according to verse 26, if you find yourself Guilty of apostasy, if you just deliberately keep on sinning, then there no longer remains sacrifice for your sins. But that's not because Jesus' sacrifice is not powerful enough. He doesn't only say this. He continues on by saying, if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And he gives you the alternative. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. What the author of Hebrews has just said is, if you've determined that you don't need Jesus, and again, the way this is so tricky is, you'd probably never say it in so few words, but if there is sin that you won't turn loose, if there's something that you won't make right, if there's something that you've determined you don't need forgiveness for, then y'all, you are numbered with the adversaries. You know why? Because you are. It's because you are. Not only is there no remaining sacrifice for those who abandon Jesus, and remember, by actions, not necessarily by words, if you're guilty of this, God tells you what to expect, and in a word, He tells you to expect judgment. Yes, that means hell. Hell is the greatest vanishing doctrine in the modern church. Nobody goes there anymore. Right? I mean, according... People talk about this, all. oh, well, it was a good person. you know. They tried to do more good things than bad things as if there's that cosmic scale out there. Nobody talks about hell anymore. But it's not just hell that is forecast here. It's horrible judgment, hell forever. But we need to be careful. Again, God's Word isn't saying that those who are guilty of habitual sin, those that are guilty of apostasy, it isn't saying that forgiveness of sins is unavailable to the world. God isn't saying that Jesus' blood isn't powerful enough to wash away all sins. Instead, He's just making a logical point. And it's this. Listen to me. If you're guilty of apostasy, if you reject Christ by word or deed, it doesn't matter. If you have embraced sin instead of dealing with it, if you've decided you don't need Jesus, you don't have Him. That's why judgment awaits. It's not as if God snatches Jesus away from you. It's not as if God smites you. It's just the simple fact that if you decide that you don't need Jesus, you don't have him. You can say it lots of ways. I've said it already today. Look, you can't live like hell and expect citizenship in heaven. In the same way, you can't live like Jesus doesn't matter and expect him to save you because whether you'd say it in so few words or not, if you live like Jesus doesn't matter, then to you... He doesn't. You know, in the world of Facebook philosophy and all these things out there, you see these empowerment posts where people say, if people show you that you don't matter to them, believe them because you really don't matter to them. Y'all will say that about horrible relationships when people shouldn't even be with, forget about all that stuff. This is true with God. If you've decided Jesus doesn't matter to you, then guess what? He doesn't matter to you. And it's at this point that the author of Hebrews makes a shift and he carries us down this logical path to explain this even further. But before going there, I know you may be uncomfortable with this whole discussion. You may even be bristling up at what I'm saying. You may say, wait a minute, what do you mean no sacrifice remains for these people? You might be saying, God is love. What about that? Well, realize first, I didn't write Hebrews 10. This is God's word. This is not Patrick's word. God conveys the responsibility for denying Christ. God says what the consequences are for denying Christ and living as though he doesn't matter. And second, it is true that God is love. You see it throughout his word. 1 John 4, 8, 4, 16, we could go on and on. In fact, I've heard there are four specific places where it says, in fact, God is love. But y'all, there's 600 places where God tells us he's holy. But realize y'all all all of that aside realize this is not talking about god smiting someone willy-nilly and sending people to hell chapter 10 again is talking about people who claim to know jesus but instead live as though he doesn't matter people who have rejected christ by their lives people that might not say they want nothing to do with god but they sure live like it and to drive this home look at what the chapter says next verse 28 it says anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses how much worse punishment now pause for just a second timeout we're gonna pick up there in a second do you get what he said in verse 28 he said look you people want to go back to being Jews rewind if you disregarded the law of Moses which was the law of God all it took was two or three witnesses and you were killed how much more punishment look at verse 29 How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. And it's here, my friends, that we find both the name for the Holy Spirit that we come to today but also we find the full warning. What God's saying in his word here is this. Listen to me now. He's saying, if you've heard the truth and you reject Christ, if you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ all the while claiming to belong to him, you trample on the son of God himself and you profane his perfect blood that was spilled for his people. If you commit apostasy, if you're living like Jesus doesn't matter, and yet you claim to belong to him, if you hold on to sin and excuse it away, you're insulting Jesus himself. You're making a mockery out of him. And not only do you trample on Jesus when you reject Jesus by word or deed, you insult the spirit of grace himself. Y'all, this passage does not deny that God is love. In fact, this passage tells us that God is loved by His Holy Spirit, who isn't just gracious. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. What's revealed here is that the Spirit of grace is the means by which God saves. This doesn't negate God's love. Look, remember how the church was built. Remember what the Holy Spirit does. In Acts chapter 2, read it sometimes we find that the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation. After Peter preached this great sermon at Pentecost, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? It was the Holy Spirit that cut them to the heart. It was the Holy Spirit that was the vehicle for salvation. But what the author of Hebrews is saying, and more importantly, what God's word reveals is, if you pretend like Jesus doesn't matter, if you say you belong to him and you deny his word, if you turn your back on him, then you trample the Son of God. And while God is love, let us not forget, as Christians are made alive by the Spirit... We are told in Psalm 2 that kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Y'all Jesus didn't change. This idea that God is the one of fury from the Old Testament and Jesus is all about grace and peace and love and he's like the hippie guy. that He has been in perfect communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit from all eternity. And when you hear things like this, this is Jesus that it is talking about. And let me tell you something. While God is love, while Jesus is the lover of his people's souls, while the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace, my goodness, don't you profane the Son of God. Do not trample on Jesus. In all of our talk that God is love, sometimes we forget that God is just and that God is love and He loves His Son perfectly and He'll not stand for His name being profaned by those who say they belong to Jesus but don't live like it. This is the perfect love of God on display. You know, I think about the way that I love my daughter. Um, I've used this example before. If you have children, you learn the difference between screams, right? There are screams of joy. There are screams of frustration. There are screams of hurt. There are screams of terror. Y'all, I'm an imperfect father. (laughs) I am selfish. I don't love as I should. But let me tell you something. If I hear my girl scream, you better not be in the way. And if there's a wall, I'm going to make a door. I won't stop. And I'm imperfect. How much more does the perfect love of God shine forth when those trample on Jesus Christ? When the spirit of grace is insulted, that's why the passage ends ends by saying... For we know the one who has said, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay again. The Lord will judge his people. And the author of Hebrews is perfectly comfortable ending not on a positive chorus, on a happy poem, but by saying it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So is the warning for us who claim to belong to him. But realize, we do not have to fall into the hands of the living God. If you're a follower of Christ and you are stuck in sin, stop. Stop. And this is not like the old Bob Newhart counseling thing where stop doing that if it hurts. No, no, no. If you really belong to Jesus, you've been filled by his Holy Spirit and you have the power to triumph over sin in Jesus Christ. Turn away from your sin. And not if you need help, you do need help. Turn to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to help you. Apologize. Patch things up. Forgive. I don't know what it is. But stop following the world and pursue Christ instead. And you won't fall into His hands of terror. You'll be gripped in His loving arms. But if you've never followed Christ in the first place, don't wait. You can know all about him and all about the Bible and not know him at all. Make the commitment to him because there is forgiveness in Christ alone. You don't have to carry the guilt. You don't have to dwell in darkness. turn to Christ and receive the spirit of grace. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise you for your word that it is true Our hearts. Let us examine ourselves to determine if we are guilty of living as though Jesus doesn't matter. We're just going to keep on going. Let us see the grand danger of trampling on your son, making a mockery out of him, insulting your Holy Spirit. We live in a world that glorifies you, and yet your judgment is sure. Instead, by the Spirit of grace, work in our hearts that we would love you more and more. For those that do not know you, that they would accept you, trusting in you alone. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's stand together and close by singing the insert that's actually in your bulletin. The words are on the screen as we sing marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Please stand. Again, thank you for worshiping with us today. I know these words today have been hard words, but I would love the chance to talk to you, the opportunity to talk to you if you have any questions at all. And again, if you know that you don't know the Lord, turn to him, but if you know you're running from him, stop and turn back. Receive the benediction. May the grace and the peace and the mercy and the love and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen. Please remain standing for the choral response.